And we find in the parsha how Hakadosh Baruch Hu tells Avraham Avinu that he's going to destroy Sodom, and Avraham Avinu engages in a debate and in negotiation with the Rebbeinu Shlaim. He davens the Rebbeinu Shlaim not to destroy them. He pleads with them, if perhaps there is a certain number of tzaddikim in the town, would you destroy them? And Avraham Avinu keeps on saying, I will not destroy them. But in the end, Avraham Avinu seems to have not been successful in the deliberations. And Avraham Avinu goes back from the place that he davened, he goes back home. And of course we know that Sadaim was actually then destroyed. At the end of the whole parsha of the destruction of Sadaim, the Pasuk says in Parakyutas Pasuk Chavzayin, Vayashkeim Avraham Babaykar El Hamokim Asher Amad Sham. Avraham Avinu wakes up in the morning and he goes back. This is the day following the day that he had just previously davened for Sadaim. And he goes back to that very place that he went the day before to Davin. Asher Amad Sham that he davened and Chazal say that Ein Amida Lashem Filah. And we learn from this Pasuk that Avraham Avinu was makbid about davening in a Makim Kabua. He went back to the very place that he davened. He could have davened where he was. He could have found a different place to daven the next morning. The fact that he went back the place that he davened the day before shows that there's an Indian to daven in a Makim Kabua. That wherever you are, you're supposed to stay there. That's where I daven every single day. That's where Akhish Prophet finds me every single morning, every single afternoon, every single evening. The Gemara and Brachas and Davava Medez Darshans from this Pasuk. Kala Kaveya Makim Litfilasai. Whoever is Kaveya Makim first fila. If you establish for yourself a Makim Kabua every day, Elike Avram the Ezra, then the God of Avram. That same yachas that Akrish Baruch had to Avram, he could have with you as well. Because Avram Avinu already set in motion this concept of a Makim Kabuah. And if you follow suit, if you also make sure to always daven in the same place, then you are tapping in to Alekei Avram. Ukeshemes. The Gemara says a remarkable thing when a person has a Makim Kabuah and he dies. Eventually in life, not necessarily at the Makim Kabua, but wherever, whenever he dies at that time, they will say about him, it's not clear if they'll say about him in Shamayim, or maybe it's Rai for the Maspidim to say about him, but they'll say about him, a onav, a chassid, what a humble man, what a righteous chassid this person was, he is from the Talmidim of Ramavino. He is a disciple of none less than Avraham Avino, who similarly made for himself always a Makam Kabua. This is a man who is an Anav. This is a man who is tremendously righteous. All because a person goes every single day and davens in a Makam Kabua. And obviously this Gemara is a pellet because a chassid, an anav, these are not 
titles that should be thrown around cheaply. A chassid is somebody, if you look in the Misos Sharem, a chassid is somebody that's like the, to, to the Ramchal, a chassid was like, there's no greater person in life than being a chassid. An honor of somebody that's truly humble, we know that that is something that a person can work their whole life on and never really attain even the first step towards Anibus. So for a person davening, and most of us in the world do daven in a Makim Kabur, if we're davening already, we have a set assigned seat, be it in yeshiva, be it in a shul, be it even in a house. Rabbi Yaina used to say, the Talmud Rabbi Yaina bring, and the Mishnah brings this, Halacha I believe, that even if you're davening in your house, we don't always make it to shul for whatever reason, if we're sick, if we're not capable of going to shul, you're still able to makayim a makam kabua if in your house you have a set place to choose to daven at. You have a shtender or you have a, a place that's like a, a tile on which you daven in a corner in the living room, the dining room, you study. And that's every single time that I daven at home. I daven on that place. That's also makam kabua. Makam kabua does not seem to be the biggest deal. And yet, when a person dies, if a person established for himself a makam kabua, they throw like these shvaches at him. That he's an anav, he's a chassid, he's mitamidosh Avram avinu. If you're actually an anav or a chassid, fine. But if you are just merely davening in your set seat, what is the anivas? What's the chassidus? So if you look in the Talmud Rabbeinu which is a Pirish, one of the Rishayim on Brachis, in the back of Mitzvah's Brachis, the Talmud Rabbeinu put out a, a Pirish, and a lot of it is called from the teachings of Rabbeinu Most of it, they bring from Rabbeinu that he says that the Pshat in this Gemara is, it's not necessarily such a Shevach per se, in davening in a Makam Kavua, that you're an Anav or a Chassid, but, if a person is makbid on these, on that sif in Shulchan Aruch, about davening in a makam kabua, so it means that he's obviously somebody that cares a lot about davening. And if he's medactic on one thing in davening, he's probably very careful about a lot of things about his davening. And one of the main prerequisites for having a successful davening is being an anav. If you're going into tzfilahs about gaiva, it's just not going to go. The Pasuk says, if you want to really offer something beautiful, specifically in davening to the Rabbani Shalom, the best thing that you could give to the Rabbani Shalom is Ruach Nishvara, broken spirit, which means that you're an Anav. So if a person's Makkin on a Makkin Kabua, he cares about his davening, he's putting a lot of effort into making his davening work. One of those efforts, the prime effort, is to be an Anav. So if he dams in a makam kavua, so we could say about him that he's an honor because he cares about his feel of being the kavana, and for that to happen, he needs to be an honor. So Rabbi sort of downplays a little bit the role of a makam kavua directly related to the anivas of a person. It's an adav, it's something which is sort of a simon that maybe the person is an honor. But there's nothing remarkable per se about a person that stays in a makam kavua each and every day vis-a-vis how great an honor he is and how great a chassid he is. I saw a beautiful pshat. He says it with Melitza. It's a cute pshat. A sharp-witted pshat. 
It's from the Hart Svir, Tzvi Pesach Frank. And he says, almost tongue in cheek, that we know that it's sometimes very hard to have a Makam Kabua in Davening. That's not to say it's hard to, you know, get a Makam Kabua place in Davening, find a table. You know, maybe the first day of this man it's hard, but, you know, come a couple of days later into this man, you'll find plenty of seats. But the, it's difficult to be an established member of a shul because we know that there's always machleks in, unfortunately, in shuls. It's not uncommon to hear people in the middle of davening, you know, complaining about somebody else talking during davening or somebody that's not talking during davening, or somebody that they don't like the, the, the fact that the rabbi is going to speak today, is not going to speak today, they don't like the fact that the appeals are being made publicly, or that the president get, tends to be a little long-winded when he's making his announcements. There's always people that have all types of gripes in shul. It's no secret, everybody is always miserable in the shul that they daven. Very few people come and say, I love this place. People come, they you know, they know that they're not really happy, the rabbi's not good, the president's not good, the minion's not good, the sidurim aren't good, the air condition is not good, nothing's good. And so the people have a tendency to always like switch around. Either they'll switch around places in their own shul, I don't want to sit there anymore, I want to move my seat. Or if it gets really heated, they'll actually move to another shul and they'll never dive in that shul again. You know, the famous joke about the person that gets stranded on a desert island all by himself, and he finally, after many years, they, they find him, he sends up a flare gun, and they, find, they, they contact him, they come to rescue him, and he shows, he gives them a tour of like the, uh, the, the compound that he built for himself on this tropical island. And he has a, uh, you know, he built for himself a nice mikvah, and he has, this is where I used to sleep, this is my exercise room, and this is the place that I did my laundry, and this is one shul I built, and there's another shul I built. I said, wait a minute, we got everything that you were doing until then. Why do you have two synagogues? Why do you need two shuls? Oh, that's easy. He says, that's the shul that I daven in, and that's the shul that I wouldn't be caught dead in. So that's the way people are. People, you know, you always have to have a shul that, you know, that's a shul, I don't go to that shul. Now, that, that shul's not for me. I have so much talking in that shul. Or they're too firm in that shul. Or, you know, no, everyone's too uh, clicky in that shul. But nobody ever is completely happy when they have a shul they daven, and that's a shul that I don't daven in. So, Rabsi Pesach Frank says that if a person is able to be if a person is able to stay in one place in shul, in one shul, and every single day daven there and not be such a complainer, not always have kindness on everybody, that's a riot that he must be an honor. He must be a chassid. He's mitamidesh Avram Avinu because otherwise, if you're not an Anav and you're not a Chassid, then it's very hard to stay put in one place. I wanted to say a different shot. In the mail of a Makim Kavua, and why a Makim Kavua, if a person is able to really establish a Makim Kavua, and with a proper mindset of a Makam Kabua, why that might be relevant and a raya that the person is sincerely an unav and sincerely a chassid. See, a lot of times we daven. We daven to the Rabbi Nishalaylam 
Sometimes the Rabbi Shalom answers our tefillahs. Sometimes we daven and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us exactly what we wanted. But a lot of times it happens that we daven and we daven and we daven and we are constantly met with failure. We daven that we should get a shidduch and that this shidduch should work and the girl dumps you. We daven that I should, this job interview that I'm going on tomorrow, I really, really need that job. Please, Rabbi Shalom, help me, I need that job. Let me be liked by the interviewer, let it go smoothly, let me not mess up too badly. And of course, it gets messed up, and the davening apparently didn't work. Let me be matzliach in learning, let me be able to understand Pshat and Taisus. I'm davening, I'm davening, Avarabah and Shemayin Esrei, Atachayinin, over and over and over again, and I keep meeting with failure. V'chahena, v'chahena, we daven for things constantly, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu seems to not be answering. This is what happened to Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu pleaded with the Rabbi Yisholem, save Sadaim. Look at what I do for you, Rabbi Yisholem. I do everything, all the Nisyanis that you're throwing my way. I'm batting each of them out of the park. There's nothing that stands in front of my love for you. I will give anything to you. I'm asking you for one favor. Save the people of Sadaim. I have no vested interest. The people of Sadaim are diametrically opposite me in every single way. Geographically, Hashkafically, Abraham Avinu was Minakatel Akata from the people of Sadaim, the Rishaim in Sadaim, the decadence of Sadaim. Abraham Avinu was the Tzaddik Yisaid Eilam. What does Abraham have with people of Sadaim? He should be happy that let them die. But yet Abraham Avinu pleads complete, wasn't even something for him personally. Maybe because of light being there, he had maybe a little bit more curiosity about what's going to be with Sadaim and a little bit more interest in perhaps the whole neighborhood. But in terms of the thrust of the conversation and the pleading with the Rabbi Shalom, save the people of Sadaim, Abraham Avinu needed to daven for them. But yet he davened for them. And he was a failure when it came to that particular tefillah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, despite all of the best intentions of Avraham Avinu, decided not to listen to Avraham Avinu, and not to grant him what he was pleading for. HaKadosh Baruch Hu utterly destroyed Sadaim and Amaira. And if I was Avraham Avinu, I wouldn't be so happy. I'd be pretty disappointed. The Rabbi Shalom, that's how little I, I rank in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's eyes. I ask him one thing. Not for my own sake, just for the people of Sadaim and Amira, and he, they were destroyed despite my, my, my requests. But yet the Pasuk says that Abraham Avinu didn't get Braigus with the Rabbi Nishalim. He didn't get upset. He didn't say he's not listening to me. That wasn't a lucky place that I was davening. That probably maybe it was something to do with the place. And maybe the Rabbi Nishalim, you know, wasn't so happy with me there. Avraham Avinu was an Ebed Namun. He had loyalty to the Rabbi Nishalayim, and he says, I don't care about the fact that my tefillahs were not listened to, supposedly, seemingly. I'm going back to the same place, Asher Amacham. I'm getting up in the morning, and I'm davening again at that place. I have confidence that the Rabbi Nishalayim knows what's going on in the world better than I do. 
And if HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't answer my request, that's not a personal affront to me. That doesn't mean that the place wasn't a good place or that I'm, there's something wrong with me. I am doing what I'm doing. I have Yitachim the Rabbi Nishram and I go back to the very same place that I daven for, whether I'm successful there, whether I'm not successful there, because I have Yitachim the Rabbi Nishram, that he is in charge. And he knows ultimately what's the right thing and what's not the right thing. And if he paskin that Sadaim needs to be destroyed, or he paskins that that girl is not for me, or he paskins that that job is not for me, then I'm happy. And I'm not upset. And I remain loyal to the Rabbi Shalom, and I go back and I'll daven every single day to him, whether or not I feel that I was successful or not. I don't say, right, I'm sleeping late tomorrow morning because he didn't listen to me. You know, obviously my feelings don't count, or maybe that shul is, there's a jinx on that shul, there's a, a curse on that place. I have confidence that Rabbi Nishlam is Malay, Kalaritz Kavaydai, Kalamakim, Asheraskia, Shemi, Ava, Elacha, Ve'achtich, the Rabbi Nishlam, wherever you are, doesn't matter, it's not a din in the place. Hakadish Baruchu is everywhere that you daven. Hakadish Baruchu will listen. And if it's appropriate and you're davening for something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels appropriate for you, he will answer. And if he doesn't, that's also for the best. That's the sight of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, he failed in that tefillah. The tefillah was unsuccessful, but yet the next morning he gets up and he goes to the place that he davened in the day before. Contrast that with Bilam. Bilam promised Balak that he was going to curse Klai Yisrael. And they set up a carbon in a certain place, a Mizbeach, and he curses them, and it doesn't go. So what does he do? Bilam says to, his, uh, to the people that were with him, he says that, let's go, and we'll go to another place. All right, this place wasn't good. Let's try a different place. Because he thinks that if it's not good in one place, we got to right away jump to another place. He didn't have the bitachim, the rabbinic shalom, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if he wants to do something, he could do it wherever I am. And if I stand in the same exact place, it's going to be the same result. If it's for the best, it's for the best. And if it's not for the best, it's not going to be good. And that's it. Bilam jumped from place to place, from carbon to carbon, to mizbeach to mizbeach, in the hopes that maybe the lucky rabbit foot is going to work in a different place better than it did today. Maybe there's not as good reception in one area as another area. And so he's not but rather he keeps making excuses. Perhaps this is the reason why, you know, why it didn't work. Or that's the reason why it didn't work. Avraham Avinu teaches us loyalty. To be loyal to the Rabbani Shalom. To be loyal to our Makim Kabua, which represents not just merely a seat. This is my assigned seat. This is the place that I come back to day after day. Whether yesterday was a success or whether yesterday was a failure, I am still going back to that same place in the full belief that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world and not me. And this is where I come back to over and over again because I know that it's not a matter of, of the reception being better or worse, but it's just a matter of what does the Rabbani Shalom want. Avraham Avinu teaches us this lesson by the morning after he davened for Sadaim, not being upset and not saying it's a din in the Mokim. But he goes back by Yashkim Avraham Babaykel Amokam Asher Amad Shom in the very same place that he davened, quote unquote, 
unsuccessfully. He revisits that place and davens again with Amunah Shlema that today's a new day and whatever the Rabbi Shalom wants for me today and wants for me today is going to be for the best. We find a similar loyalty of Abraham Avinu. We find the concept of loyalty of Abraham Avinu in Parshas Lech Lecha. It says... Avram Avinu went down to Mitzrayim because there was a rob and Avram Avinu did not have any money. And then he went up on the way back from Mitzrayim when he was super wealthy, he was a multi-millionaire. And he went up and it says, that he went to all of the places that he went on the way down. And Chazal teach us that we learn a derech eretz from Avram Avinu that you should always go back to your host. Which means that Avram Avinu, on the way down to Mitzrayim, when he had nothing, when he had very little in his pocket, he stayed, let's say, in uh, all of the Motel 6s on the way. He stayed in very cheap hotels because that's all he could afford. On the way back up to Mitzrayim, to, to Canaan from Mitzrayim, he was a multimillionaire. But yet he went to the same motel sixes that he went on the way down. He went back to the very, very same places that he was going to on the way back on the way up. And that teaches you Daracharitz. Don't move around. Don't switch around. Don't go from one Achsanya to another. It's insulting. You go to a, to one hotel on one time and then you don't stay there another time. People think, oh, there must have been something wrong with the hotel. There must have been something wrong with the host that you stayed by. If you go, you're invited somewhere for Shabbos, you have a Shever Brachas in, uh, you know, in Flatbush, and you go to a certain person, and then next time you have a Shever Brachas in Flatbush, you go to a different person, that's an insult to the first person, because people will say, oh, you weren't happy with, this, with the place that you stayed the first time. Maybe it wasn't good accommodations for you. And so Avraham Avinu teaches us this lesson, a Derech Eretz, not to change around the Achsanya, and Rakam says a beautiful vart. He says that it's specifically important by the case of Avraham Avinu to learn the lesson from. Because Avraham Avinu, like we just said, when he went down, he was poor. When he came back up, he was rich. And what a lot of people do when they become suddenly very wealthy, it's called in, the world calls it nouveau riche. Nouveau riche is, there's something called old money, some people have old money, you know. For hundreds of years, the Ford family and the Rockefeller family, they were always, they grew up with the best, with a silver spoon in their mouth. They always lived in mansions. They always were living Bruma Shalaylam. And they, you know, they're well-heeled people, fine, sophisticated, very chashiva people. They would never, ever settle for anything less than the best. Then there are people that are nouveau riche. That means that they grew up with nothing. They grew up very poor. They didn't have much and they were, you know, they used to always, uh, you know, eat in certain restaurants, you know, very, very, uh, you know, they used to eat in, uh, let's say, fast food restaurants, and they would stay in very cheap lodgings, and whenever they, they would drive an old car, and suddenly they find themselves into a lot of money. They get a Yerusha, or they win the lottery, or they suddenly, you know, land a great job, and all of a sudden they have a lot of money. And so everything that they had is now they throw away. The car that was working well for them, disposable. The places that they used to stay by, I'm not eating there again. 
I'm not eating there, I'm not going to stay in, in any motel six. So they start, you know, they go to Eretz Yisrael, in the old days they used to go and stay in the, uh, you know, in, in, I don't know if there are any cheap hotels anymore in Eretz Yisrael, but like basically they would stay in a, in, a, in, a, in a youth hostel, and now they stay in the David Citadel. They don't go back anymore, that's beneath me. And that's a symptom of a certain gaiva that comes with newfound wealth. You get wealthy, you all of a sudden, like, nothing is good from, not, you know, and it's a chutzpah. What do you mean nothing is good enough for you? Yesterday was fine for you. Last year was, was good enough. And now, you like, you wouldn't be caught dead there. So, Rapam says that you learn from Abraham Avinu the terrible, the terrible nature of this machalok called being nouveau riche. If a person, if it was good enough for me before I had a lot of money, so what if you had money? Now you, now you come into money now, that's unacceptable. You have to like right away completely like, you know, climb to a class and look down condescendingly on everything that's, it served you well until now, that car. Now you gotta like be mabaza, you gotta, you know, right away give it away. You can't drive it anymore, it's not suitable enough for you to drive. Yesterday you could drive, today you can't. And Abraham Avinu went back, he could have stayed in the fanciest hotels on the way back to Canaan. He was worth millions and millions of dollars, but yet he said it was good enough for me on the way up. Good enough for me on the way down, it's good enough for me on the way up. That's a lesson that we learn from Abraham Avinu. A lesson to be loyal, to be a loyal customer. To not right away, you know, run away from the opportunity to revisit a place. If a person was happy and satisfied in a place yesterday, that's what he has to be today. And not to right away look for a different opportunity and switch and change. Things are going good for you, you say, and you don't right away throw it away and be disloyal to people and things that served you well. It's interesting, there's a, a Gemara in, in Tainus that it just it occurred to me the other day that I might have a Kesha with this. The Gemara speaks about Nachamish Gamzu. That Nachamish Gamzu, we know was a person who had tremendous bitach and he always said, whatever happened, gamzu l'tayvah. And the people of this town sent him on a mission to send the Caesar a gift, the Caesar, send him a very big gift. And they packed up in his caravan, even though Nachemish Gamzu, personally, I don't think had a lot of money, but they gave him in his caravan a, a, like a whole treasure chest of silver and gold and diamonds and said, bring it to the Caesar, bring it to the king on our behalf, and a nace will happen through you, and hopefully the king will, that will curry favor with the king. Nachemish Gamzu goes, he stays at an inn, and at this inn, um, there were innkeepers that were very, very not honest. And they saw Nachemish Gamzu, Tzadik, coming, and they noticed that he's bringing into his hotel room a uh, you know a, a, dying, a treasure chest full of millions of dollars worth of jewels and gold and silver, and so they of course wanted it. So what they did was they snuck into his room at night. They took this chest, they unloaded it, they took it all for themselves, all the money, and they filled up this treasure chest with dirt from the backyard of the hotel. And Nachemish Gamzu was oblivious to this whole thing. And he puts the treasure chest back on the, on the uh, caravan and he goes to the king and he presents this to the king and the king says, off with his head. This guy's obviously, the Jews are making a fool out of me. They're sending, they're sending, uh, 
you know, dirt to me, that's their present, that's what they, that's what they think that's gonna curry favor by me, by giving me a whole treasure chest full of dirt. Kill him. Eliyah Navi comes in the image of one of the Romans and says, no, not so fast, don't kill him so quickly. What do you mean don't kill him? This is junk. What did he give us? He's there sending dirt? How is that valuable at all? How is that a present? No, maybe this is the dirt that Avram Avinu used to use when he was fighting his wars against the four kings. Chazal tell us that he would have special dirt and that he would throw the dirt and the dirt would suddenly magically turn into arrows and missiles and he would be able to succeed against conquering the enemy through this dirt. So the king said, all right, maybe, Taka, maybe this is special Avram Avinu dirt. They had a certain country that they were never able to conquer. Avram, and they took this dirt and they started throwing it at the enemy. And sure enough, it turned into spears and they were able to destroy the whole country. And the king was very pleased with this dirt. And he gave tremendous fanfare, tremendous covenant to Nachamish Gamzu. And he walked him back with like a, a military procession and a, a formal honor guard walking him back home. Now, Nachamish Gamzu, on the way back home, he has to stay somewhere. And so he decides to stay in the very place that he went that same inn. And the innkeepers look out the window. They thought he'd be dead already by now. And not only is he dead, but the king is giving him tremendous covet. So they heard what happened. They asked, you know, one of the guards, well, well, you know, how did this guy get so, uh, so honored? And they said, oh, he had this special dirt from this, uh, they don't know where it came from, but it's from the dirt of Aromavino. And they used, the king used it to conquer an enemy. And, and now he's like, he's like uh, the most beloved person to the king. So these two guys, they scratch their head. They say, wait a minute, that's our dirt. We are sitting on a, a fortune. And what he, they did was they knocked down their whole inn and they basically put it all on a U-Haul and they sent it as a gift to the king and said, we got more dirt for you. That, that's this uh, secret weapon. And the king tried it out. It didn't work. And it was off with those two guys' heads. They were killed. And it always bothered me this Gemara. I mean, why did they stay in that same inn? Why did Nachamish Gamzu go back? Nachamish Gamzu must have chapped that, you know, these innkeepers tried to do something that would kill him. I mean, they were the ones that stole his money, put the, put the dirt into it instead, and that jeopardized his life. So, and yet you go back, I mean, even Avraham Avinu probably wouldn't tell you to revisit a, a hotel that the guys are criminals. <laughs> But it could be that the pshat is that Nochemish Kamzu saw Simon, a remez ladaver, and the fact that Punk Eliyah Navi would say that this is a dirt from Abraham Avinu, so this was already reminded him of the Chazal about to learn Derech Eretz from Abraham Avinu, that he would always revisit the same place that he went, the same exact host that he stayed by, you go back to, and he said there must be a connection and perhaps there's a there's a, there's a reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to stay at that hotel again. And sure enough, there was, because through staying at that hotel, it was brought down, this, they were brought down in the, in, as a Midah Kenegad Midah, they wanted to bring Nochemish Gamzu down and steal his money. So the whole thing, the whole thing, they lost their inn, they lost their lives, all because of the Ashkach Prati, following the Derech of Aram Avinu.
But we see this sight of loyalty from Abraham Avinu, that a person is supposed to be loyal to the place that he comes from. And not to switch and, and, and say, it wasn't good enough for me. Today it's okay, but yesterday it was okay, but today it's not good for me anymore. I want to try something different. And that's exactly, I think, what happens with Avraham Avinu when it comes to Makam Kabur B'tfilo. The same thing as by the hotel. This Midas Derech that's the same exact thing which we see when it comes to Makam Kabur. Avraham Avinu doesn't say, it didn't work for me, that Makam Kabur, and I'm going to switch. I'm going to, my loyalty is now with some other place. I, can't, I still have confidence in the Rabbani Shalom. It worked for me the other day. Two weeks ago, I was Matzlech with my davening. And now, yesterday, maybe I wasn't. But so what? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the same Rabbani Shalom. I am loyal to the Rabbani Shalom. And I am loyal to the Makim Atzvila. And regardless of whether or not it seems to be successful or not, it's irrelevant. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still always with us. And the Makim Kabua proves that you are loyal to the Rabbani Shalom. Like Abraham Avinu was always loyal. And that I'm not looking like i got to switch shuls, i got to switch a sitter, i got to switch a place. I'm happy where I am because I know that the Rabbani Shalom, if it's supposed to be answered, he will answer it. That's the aside of a Makim Kabua. And that's why when a person has this mindset of I'm davening in a Makim Kabua, come what may, this is my Makim. For 30, 40 years, I'm going to daven in the same place, whether or not it seems like it's working or not, because I know that it, if it's meant to be, it will happen. That is why a person, when he dies, such a person, upon him it's worthy to be said, Hey, Anav, hey, Chassid, because this is an Anivos, this is a Chassidus. When a person understands these things, when a person has an appreciation that I'm not outgrowing my seat. That seat wasn't, it's not chashim enough for me anymore. That shul isn't chashim enough. I have to go to a better shul, a fancier shul, a firmer shul. If a person has confidence in a makim tefillah, in a beis haknesses, in a, in a, in a beis medrash, then a person revisits that place over and over again. That's my loyalty. My loyalty is to the shul. I, but the other shul, you know, they started serving shulms every Shabbos. The other shul is, you know, they got a new young whippersnapper, Rav, who gives great drushes. I don't care. I'm right here. This is where I am. This is where my loyalties lie. This is where my Rabbani Shalom has always been. This is where my Makim is. I'm comfortable here. I'm not looking for a bigger, better deal. This is where my Kviyas is, and this is where my Bitochen lies. That's what a Makim Kabur is. And that's why, like, hey, Abraham Be'ezer, if you have that understanding like Avraham Avinu did that whether my tefillah seems successful or not whether or not my, 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 my social status in life has changed or not I always stay in one place and I'm happy and it works for me without always looking to be, you know, to be antsy in this seat and looking to go somewhere else for whatever reason like Avraham that's a chasidos that's an anivos that shows that you are a good person that you are true to form you are a loyal Eved Hashem and that you understand the kayak of tefillah, and that even if tefillah sometimes don't work, that's not always for the worst, that's sometimes and always for the best. You just have to give it enough time. When Shner Cutler was very sick, the Ashiva of Lakewood, so there was a group, a contingency, a contingency of people that went to the stifler guy in, in B'nai Brak and said, things are getting worse. All the Bnei Tyra in the world are dabbling for Abshner, the Shabbat, Shlema, but his condition continues to worsen. And what's happening with all those tefillahs? 
And the stipler famously said that no tefillah is ever wasted. You should never think that you daven in vain. That if somebody, if you're davening for somebody, they should have a refuah shlema, and they get sicker, and loyalenu, they die. That means that all those tefillahs were for naught. No. Every single tefillah is saved by the Rabbani Shalom. HaKadosh Baruch Hu cherishes every tefillah. And if it's not used immediately, it'll be used down the road. Not always are tefillahs answered, but don't think that just because your tefillahs immediately were not answered, that means that the tefillah was wasted and that the Makam Kabuah is for naught. Your tefillahs will be answered sometimes for yourself. They'll be answered sometimes for a great-grandchild that needs a Yeshua. Those tefillahs will be used, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu will answer. You just have to have the confidence in the Rabbani Shalom that not always is the instant gratification that we so desire always the best or always what was exactly in the cards for that person. And Avraham Avinu understood this and that's why Avraham Avinu was Kaber Makhmut Filosay. I saw a beautiful Dubnamagid that Mamish brings this point out so clearly and so beautifully. I'm three for three in the Dubnamagid, by the way. If anyone's keeping count, I'm sorry, it's addictive. I never really fully, you know, used it as I should have. But it's unbelievable. Every parasha you find literal gems. And in this week's parasha he says a beautiful verse at the beginning by the Mice of Sadaim. HaKadosh Baruch says, I'm going to give Avram Avinu a heads up about what I'm going to do with Sadaim. HaMechasa Ani Avram Should I cover up should I conceal from Avram what I'm destined to do with Sudan that I plan on? I should tell him it's not right not to tell him. He's a tzaddik. You know, you should at least tell him it's not right not to tell Avram Avinu. And then the next pasuk says a funny thing. The Avram, Haya, Avram Avinu will be, he's destined to be a great nation. He is going to be a fantastically successful and very, very great amount of people, tremendous nation coming out of Avram Avinu. Infected of Namagid, what in the world is the Kesha from one person to the other? I should, should I hide from Avram Avinu what I'm going to do for Sadaim? Give him a chance to daven. Avram Avinu is going to be a great nation. What's the connection? Listen to Avram Avinu, the Namagid. Mamish Gainus. The Namagid says, a mashal. A marshal of Bey Seicharim. There were two businessmen that went together on a business trip. And they were doing some business over there. And once they, once they were doing business, you know, when you go face to the Far East on business, or you go to, you know, some out Mexico, you don't just, you know, come home. You go, you look for some interesting things to buy, souvenirs, mitzias. So they went to a, uh, a suit store in the, in the fancy place. Let's say they went to, to Paris. And there, there's the finest tailors. And they went into a suit store, and there was a big sign, Sale! Men's suits, 50% off. So they both go in, they say, Wow, you know, we both have to bring home suits for our sons. Let's go, we can, maybe we can find a good suit. So one goes into the store, and he's looking very carefully, and he's saying, I don't think this is going to be, you know, my son is not going to fit. I think he just, you know, he lost a little weight and the suit looks a little big, and then you, know, you find the guy in the street that looks approximately the son's height and weight, and, and, and you know you ask him to come in and try it on, and it looks a little baggy on him, and he said, I don't know, I can't take a chance, it's 50% off, but it's so expensive. 
In the meantime, the other cipher was going, and he was about 50% off. It's cheap. This is such a hush of a suit. And he buys, takes off one suit from the rack, two suits, three, five suits. He brings it up to the cash register to give him his credit card. So I want all of them. And the other guy says, he says to the other guy, you know, are you getting anything? It's unbelievable. And he says, no, I'm not going to get it. He says, what's Chuck? Why are you buying five suits and I'm so picky? He says, it's very easy. You are picky because you only have one son. And that's it. And your son has no children. You have one single son. If you bring home the suit, it might be a great price, but it has to fit the kid. And if it doesn't fit him, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a complete waste. What are you going to do with it? Remember, my father's here. We went once, my father took me once to England on a trip. And there's a chashiva place in England called, uh, I think, Sable Road. It's a very chashiva suit. Uh, they, like the finest tailors are there. And there was taka store like this that had a, uh, a big sign in the window, a big sale. And I went in, I wanted to buy a suit. It was very, very cheap. Then the dollar was much stronger than the pound, I think. And I found the suit, but it was mamish. I was like maybe 17, 18 years old, and it looked like a bar mitzvah suit on me. I was like mamish, like, you know, I could not, it did not fit. But yet, it was so cheap that, you know, I bought it anyway, thinking that, you know, somehow, some way, maybe I'll, you know, surgery, something, I'll be able to somehow fit it. And it's still hanging in Long Beach. Anyone needs it. It's like a very small size. Anyone needs it, it's all theirs. But... I didn't even have a check for shotness because it was Bechlal, never Nagea to wear. But sometimes, you know, you buy it. This guy says, I will not, I, I can't, I can't take a chance. It's ridiculous. I'm going to bring it home. I'm not going to be able to fit it. I'm not going to, you know, what's the, what's the use? What's the point? Just stop to bring home a suit. I'll be to bring home a suit and it's not going to, it's going to hang in a closet. No point to that. The other guy says, but why are you buying five of them? You don't even have five kids. He says, you know, you're right. I have three kids and they're younger. And then, and, and then some of them, then I have, uh, you know, I have some nephews that I, that I'm very close with, and I have some friends that, that I'm going, I have a lot of people that I could theoretically give it to, and if it doesn't fit my one son, then it'll fit another son. If it doesn't fit the other son, it'll fit the third son. If it doesn't fit them, I'll give it to my nephew, or I'll give it to my, uh, you know, to some grandchildren. But somebody's gonna fit into this suit someday. It's gonna, it says somebody's gonna fit it. And if they'll grow into it, something's gonna happen, but I have full confidence that if it's not for this son, I'll give it, I'll, I'll definitely have some use for the suits. And it's such a good price that I'm gonna do it. This says the Dumna Magid is what happened with Avram Avinu. Hakarishbalchu says, Hamachasani me Avram. It's not right that I should destroy Sadaim and not give the Tzadik Adar an opportunity to touch the Davin for them. Aye, his Davin is not gonna work. The Rabbi Shalom knows that the davening is not going to work. He knows, he had, the Rabbi Shalom knows that he's planning on destroying Sadaim regardless of what happens with Avram Avinu. So why should I tell Avram Avinu that I'm going to destroy Sadaim, make him daven for nothing, and, and completely waste his time? No. Avram Avinu will have children, will have a Yitzchak that if the Tfilos don't work for Sadaim, they'll be used, they're going to be sitting and they're going to be waiting for Yitzchak to try on. And if Yitzchak can't fit into those specific fields, or doesn't, if he doesn't need it, or it doesn't work for him, Yaakov will use it. The Shifteikah will use it. We'll use it here. In the year of Tavshanai and Aleph, we'll have use for those suits that, that Avram Avinu was buying with his fields. But Avram Avinu, Haya, Yeh, Lagai, Gadol, 
There's no such thing as a tefillah by Avraham Avinu that went unanswered. Every single time that Avraham Avinu davened, Avraham Avinu wasn't just davening for immediate use. And if it didn't work, that's it. That's the end of the tefillah. Avraham Avinu was davening for his children, for his grandchildren, for his great-grandchildren, all the way until the end of time. There will be somebody that will need the suit. When people daven for a chayla, all those tens of thousands of tefillahs that were davened for Shneur Kotler, and he died. What happened to those fields? They're just gone. They just dissipate. We're using them. Our grandchildren are using them. Our great-great-grandchildren will use those fields. That's the way the Kayachat Tzfila works. Avram Avinu went back to the same Makkim in in, in, that he davened in for Sadaim. It didn't work. The fields were never destined to be answered for Sadaim. But Avram Avinu knew that he's going to have other people in the future. And that if it wasn't answered for one, it'll be answered for another. Somebody will have use from the tefillahs. It doesn't mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't ever listen to our tefillahs just because it seems that we're not being answered right away. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had other plans in terms of Sadaim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had other plans in terms of Shneur Kotler. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu still cherishes every tefillah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu still puts to use every tefillah. Every single time that we come to davening, and we daven in our seat, and we know that the things that we daven for were not always met with success, yet we come back, because we realize that that doesn't have any impact or any reflection whatsoever on the, on the, on the material that we're using. The davening is a good davening. If we daven with kavana, the davening is a davening. It's money in the bank. I, but it wasn't directly affecting what I wanted to affect. That's because you're not God. God has his plans, and you might think that you know what's best, but you don't. <coughs> but still, you come back every single day knowing this. Avraham Avinu knew that maybe my feelings about studying doesn't help, but that doesn't mean my feelings were wasted. doesn't mean that the place wasn't a good place. I come back with Anivas. I come back with Chasidus. And I say to the Rabbi Shalom, you're the boss. You know what's best. All I'm trying to do is I'm davening. I'm buying suits every time I daven. And if the suits fit me, fine. They fit my kids, fine. But someday, somewhere, they will fit somebody that I wanted to fit. And a person that has that attitude, not just merely that we come to our seat and we daven every day. That's not merely, that you don't, for that you don't deserve the title of Anav and Chassid. You gotta do a little bit more than that. But you have to understand what the Kayach is of a Makim Kabua, what it signifies to ourselves, and what message we're sending to the Rabbani Shalom. We're saying by coming back, I know that you're the boss. I know that it's a din, it's not a problem, the fact that my tefillahs were not answered. That's not at all a reflection on me or the tefillah or you. It just means that the tefillah is going to be put in an escrow account for another day. If a person understands this, you cite in tefillah, not to have yish, when our tefillahs are, when we daven for something and it's not exactly answered the way we wanted it to be, not to be despondent and not to say, I gotta switch davening, I gotta switch a rob, I gotta switch shul, I gotta switch, this is something, I got, something's gotta give. Mishana Mak, Mishana Mazel, all these things that people use as excuses, that's just an excuse. You have to be consistent, you have to be loyal, you have to come every single day to Yeshiva to daven. Can't go in, Rav Aaron Schechter and Chaim Berlin used to say, I'm not passing this halacha, he said, if you miss davening in yeshiva, 
then don't daven any, daven your room. But don't go to the local shtibloch to daven. Right up the block from Chaim Bun is a place called Landau's, which is uh, anyone that ever you know dated in Brooklyn knows what Landau's is because it's a, it's a minion factory. You can get a minion you know, for Shafris from, 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 from Vasikin all the way till 12. And then right away starts Mincha and you have like, you know, 30 Minchas upstairs, downstairs, on the roof, wherever. And then they have Mairavs all through the night. Mamisha Minyan, so it's very geschmack, you know, you, you know, you hit the snooze button a couple of extra times, there's always Landers. Every time you hit the snooze, Landers, Landers, Landers. And Iran said, don't go to Landers. You want to, you miss Davening, stab in your room. Don't think that Landau is the plan B. Not that there's anything wrong with Landau's. I don't want to get any lawsuits thrown at me, but there is an Indian to daven in yeshiva. If you're a bentaira and you're learning in yeshiva, that's where you're supposed to daven. The Gemara says, where you have the rina of taira, that's where your tefila should be. And if you can't daven for whatever reason in yeshiva because you weren't feeling well, Daven at home. Don't make a fool Hashem by going to local shuls and showing that Lander guys are guys that, you know, miss Minion, but yet, you know, they daven at 10 o'clock in the morning. Daven in your room. But there is a significance of davening in, a, in yeshiva and in a makam kabua. Some having, davening in yeshiva is itself a makam kabua. And in the base matters to have one seat and one seat only that I daven and I wear out that seat. This is my seat. And if a person understands the hashkafa behind having one seat, that this is where I am, this is where I'm putting all my money on this, on this one, you know, people that go to Atlantic City, they have one number, or they have, uh, you know, people that, that do lotto. They have this, these are my numbers. And this is what I'm gonna, I'm gonna die every single Wednesday and Friday, I go and I get the same numbers till the end of my life. And that's it. It's not working for you. I don't care. These are my numbers. These are my special. This is my lucky numbers. No one, I'm not showing it to anybody. They're my numbers. That's what we're doing with the Makkum Kabul. I'm putting all my money on this Makkum. This is where I believe I will be answered. I, you never won the lottery. It doesn't matter. These, someday I will. It will work out for me. Someday I'll be toughened. But I know that by coming back every single day, I'm showing confidence. Be toughened to Rabbanisham. I'm Nevos. I'm not smart in the Rabbi Yishayim. I don't have a gaiva. I'm not Nubo Rish. That this isn't good enough for me. I'm a chassid. I believe in the Rabbi Yishayim. I'm going to Fnimashar Sadin. I really, truly have bitachin and munah shleim in the Rabbi Yishayim. And I'm putting everything that I have, I'm investing it all in this makim. And I know that someday everything will work out for the best and already has. But that's the aside. If somebody is understanding that this is my makim kabua, davening in yeshiva and in a makim, Elatea Avram Be'ezrai, Heyana Ve'chasid, Mitamide Shel Avram